This morning, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, is where we find our text for today. Isaiah 40, we're going to read from verses 27 through 31. So just look, look that up, and uh, we'll get to that here in just a minute. My message this morning is titled, The Waiting is the Hardest Part. The Waiting is the Hardest Part. I've actually borrowed the title for today's message from a song that uh, Tom Petty wrote and sang many years ago. In 1981, he recorded this song called The Waiting. And uh, the, the lyrics of this song say, The Waiting is the Hardest Part. And uh, as you may know, Tom Petty died recently in 2017, about a year and a half ago, and uh, he was a, a good uh, songwriter. He had a knack for clever lyrics, timeless lyrics, and as I said, he wrote this song in 1981, The Waiting. The Waiting is the Hardest Part, and it's got a catchy tune. It's a kind of song you, you get stuck in your head and you, you whistle uh, as you walk down the street. And uh, it's, it's got those clever lyrics and that memorable melody line. And uh, so it got to be very popular. I think it, certainly because it, it, it's a good song and, like I said, it's, it's got a catchy tune. Uh, but also I think it resonated with a lot of people who have had the experience that the waiting is the hardest part. I mean, whether it's waiting in line or waiting in traffic, waiting for our food to be prepared, that's hard. When you're really hungry, waiting for Mr. or Miss Wright to come along or waiting for the baby to be born. I mean, it's often true that the waiting is often the hardest part. And so it got to be a popular song. A lot of people uh, listened to it and used it in, in uh, different cultural uh, settings. Uh, I read that um, on one episode of The Simpsons, they played it because Homer applied for a uh, a, a gun license, and he had to wait five days, and so they played that song. The waiting is the hardest part. Uh, Chicago TV station played this song back in 1995 when there was talk about Michael Jordan coming back to basketball, and they played The Waiting is the Hardest Part. I read also that uh, the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team and the Wisconsin Badgers uh, hockey team as well, they, they play that when there is a timeout and they're doing some play review and they're waiting to see what what the verdict is going to be. The waiting is the hardest part. And so it's, it's, uh, it's true that that's often the case. In fact, the word waiting, just that the word itself has kind of a negative connotation. It's, it's usually associated with something negative. For example, here's, how, here's some of the ways that we use the word waiting. Uh, just in everyday life, we, we say, um, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Have you ever heard that? That usually means, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the inevitable bad thing that's going to happen. I'm just waiting for it to happen. By the way, I always wondered how that saying came along. And apparently it came out of uh, back in the uh, 1800s, I think it was, in New York, in the tenements, you know, the, the uh, low-income housing where they would build apartments on top of each other. So there could be somebody in one apartment and, and they would hear their neighbor in the above apartment. Uh, they'd maybe hear them come in at night, start getting ready for bed and just take off a shoe and drop it. And it would make a noise because these were, you know, they were poorly constructed tenements. It would make a noise, they'd hear it. And so then they would say, okay, I'm just going to wait for the other shoe to drop. 
You know, so now it just means I'm just waiting for the inevitable bad thing that's going to happen. I'm just waiting for it to happen. How about this? Have you ever heard the phrase, he's an accident waiting to happen? Or that's an accident waiting to happen? Or how about this threat that parents sometimes use with their children? Just you wait till your dad gets home or whatever. Just you wait. Uh, we, we have a negative, uh, usually negative feeling for, with a waiting room. We're going to be in a waiting room for a long time. You know, the doctor's wasting my time. I'm in this waiting room. Or somebody says to us, you know what? You just wait your turn. You know, you're trying to keep me down. Telling me to wait my turn. You just wait your turn or I'm just waiting in the wings for my big opportunity. It's not there yet. Or we say the phrase, uh, let's just wait for the dust to settle. That usually means, you know, we're going to wait for this unpleasant, unpleasant uh, situation to, to be resolved. Let's just wait it out. Or let's just wait for the dust to settle. And so there's just a, a negative connotation to that word waiting. But I, I think it is true that in many cases, the waiting is the hardest part. Now, what may also be true is that waiting is often the hardest part of the Christian life. The waiting is often the hardest part of being a Christian. Maybe that's why the Bible talks a lot, a lot, an awful lot. Uh, I shouldn't say awful. It talks a lot about Waiting throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. There are many, many verses about waiting. And I want to read one today that's kind of a classic. It's kind of the classic scripture on waiting from the Old Testament. But it's from one of my favorite chapters from chapter 40 of Isaiah. Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. And just, just follow along as I read this. By the way, you, you can find our notes on version If you'd rather look them up... Um, you will have the scripture references up on the on the screen, and I encourage you to look them up rather than just sit there and, and watch me and listen to me. Look up the scriptures and follow along. And let's let's learn together. So here's Isaiah 40, beginning with verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God, or or my cause is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I love that promise. I love what I read there. I love this, this passage, this entire chapter, uh, which begins with a promise of comfort. See, the beginning of, of this book of Isaiah the prophet Isaiah has been confronting the nation of Israel for their sin because they left God, because they followed false gods, they followed other ways. And so Isaiah has been confronting them for their sin and he has been speaking judgment over them because of their sin. But now we see that beginning with this chapter 40, where he begins by saying, comfort, comfort my people. 
God is telling Isaiah, you know, they, they're getting beat up. They're suffering the consequences of their sin. But it's time for them to be comforted. So he begins this, this, uh, this passage now in which he is, he's speaking words of, of comfort. And he says, if you wait on God, he's going to renew your strength. You're not always going to be hurting the way you are now. Because waiting on God, when we talk about waiting on God... And we, if we speak about waiting on God, that usually means that something's not going right in our life. Waiting on God usually means that life isn't going well for us. Just like if we talk about, I'm believing God for a miracle, I'm expecting a miracle. And we talk about miracles, that means that we're in a position where we need a miracle. And things aren't great. Same, same thing here, we're, we're reading about waiting on God. And that means that something's not going right, not going well for the Israelites and uh, they were in a very sad and painful state, condition, because of their sin, uh, because they had turned away from God to other gods. God had allowed them to be taken away as captives, be taken away to a far off land, to Babylon. And so there, there they were in, in Babylon. They were feeling discouraged. They were away from their homeland. They were in captivity. And this is why they were saying, and, and Isaiah in verse 27 of, of chapter 40, he, he says to them, Why are you saying my way is hidden from God? My cause is disregarded by God. He says to them, Haven't you heard? Have, have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? But they were saying, Oh, God has forgotten about us. God doesn't care about us. Our cause is forgotten by God. In fact, in Psalm 137, in Psalm 137, here's, here's what they say. These are the Israelites talking while they were in captivity. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Zion was their homeland. There, verse 2, there on the poplars or on the willow trees, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said to us, sing us one of the songs of Zion. So while they were in Babylon, the, the, the ones who had captured them, their tormentors, were saying, sing us a song. And they were saying, how can we sing? We can't sing. We're captives. We're in this desperate condition. We're not, we're, we're not in our homeland. We're far from home. They were away from their sacrificial system of worshiping that they had grown up with. They, they couldn't worship uh, in Babylon the way they, they could worship in, in Israel. Uh, and so they were saying, we can't sing. And they hung up their lyres or their harps on the trees. That, that was their sad condition. That was their, their, their very sad state of affairs. But then the prophet reminds them, Isaiah reminds them of God's power and God's compassion toward them. How he would renew them, how he would strengthen them. And in fact, the prophet seems surprised that the, the Israelites had forgotten this. That's why he says, wait a minute, have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you, have you forgotten who you're serving? Who your creator is? He's the everlasting God. He doesn't grow faint or weary. His understanding is uh, unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. 
Even young people, as strong as, and viral as they are, they get weak, they get, they get faint, they get weary. But those who wait on the Lord will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. Don't forget this. So he's reminding them, even though he seems surprised that they had forgotten. But you know, it really isn't unusual. I have found in my own life, it's not unusual to forget Sometimes it's easy to forget because the waiting is the hardest part. And we find ourselves waiting on God. That's difficult. That's not easy. And the problem with waiting is that waiting means we're going through trials. And the problem with trials is that God doesn't tell us how long they're going to last. I mean, if I knew that I was going through a problem, I'm going through a trial, and I knew that it was a six-week trial, then, you know, I could hang on for six weeks. I can wait. I can wait. I can trust God. I can keep, I can keep praising God. I can be really spiritual. If, if, I could be really spiritual if I knew that at the end of the six weeks, boom, the answer is going to come, and that's the end of the trial. But we don't know. We don't know how long our trials are going to last. And it's possible that we could wait on the Lord for five weeks and six days, and then we give up and we throw in the towel. We say, you know what? It's too hard to serve God. I'm just going to go back, live my life, not worry about being a Christian. And we miss the blessing of the answer because we didn't wait the full time. But we don't know how long the trial is going to be. You know, we love the promise of Isaiah 40, 31. I love this. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I love that. Those who wait on the Lord. And by the way, some of your Bibles might say those who trust in the Lord or those who hope in the Lord. Those all mean the same thing. In fact, in Spanish, the word wait and hope is the same, right? Uh, when you wait for some, to wait means esperar. And hope is esperanza. Right. So wait and hope are the same thing. And uh, some other versions, like I said, say trust. They're all the same thing. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagle. I love that promise. I, I want to see myself just soaring over my problems like an eagle. I want to be able to. I love this part as a runner. They shall run and not be weary. Yeah, I want to claim that they shall walk and not faint. We love that promise. But what, what we may not realize is that there is a gap from the beginning of the promise to the end of the promise. There is a gap from the beginning, the waiting part. Those that wait on the Lord, there's a gap between that and the soaring like eagles and running and walking without being fatigued. There's a gap there and we don't know how long that gap is. We, 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 we read, I'm going to wait so I can soar. And we wait, and we wait, and we're thinking, when is a soaring coming? Isaiah said that I would soar if I waited. Well, but he didn't say how long you had to wait. And sometimes we have to wait for a while. But why? Why does God make us wait? Doesn't, doesn't he know how real and how painful our trials are? Doesn't he know how intense the situation, the problem we're going through is? Why does God make us wait? Why do we have to wait before we can soar like eagles and before we can live with supernatural strength? I think the answer is in this, that waiting builds character. 
We have to wait because waiting builds character. It's hard to wait faithfully, but the process builds godly character. That's what I want you to remember today. It's hard to wait faithfully, but the process builds godly character. We saw this last week. If you were here last week, the message that I, that I preached to you on rejoicing and suffering, we read from Romans 5, 3, where Paul writes, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Some versions say perseverance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So suffering equates to waiting. When we, when we suffer, we wait, right? And God wants to use that to build character. It's hard to wait faithfully, but the process builds godly character. Now we learn this truth throughout the scriptures. We learn it from several biblical characters. For example, we learn from Abraham that waiting necessitates the passing of time. Waiting necessitates the passing of time. Abraham, you know the story of Abraham, many of you do. He, he lived, you know, 4,000 years ago. And he still to this day, he's revered above most men who walked on the face of the earth. We recognize, we, we pray to the God of Abraham. We recognize what a great man he was. Well, what did Abraham do? I mean, what did he do that he's so respected and so revered? Did he conquer a continent like, like Genghis Khan? Well, no. Oh, so did he do something great like maybe he ended slavery like uh, Abraham Lincoln did in America? No, he didn't do that either. Oh, maybe he, he, he had some, some physical conquest. Maybe he climbed Mount Everest like Edmund Hillary. No, no, he didn't do that. So what did Abraham do that he is so highly revered? You know what he did? He waited. That's what he did. He waited. 25 years he waited. 25 unglamorous years of eating sand and believing for a son. Because God had told him that he was going to have a son. Even though he was 75 years old when he heard the, the promise and 25 years, he's still waiting. Just think of the daily talking to yourself you have to do under those conditions to keep waiting for something that is humanly implausible. Something that's based only on something that was said to you many years ago. What kind of convincing do you have to do to yourself? What kind of self-talk do you have to do? And yet, Abraham is one of the greatest men in history for simply believing God for a long, long, long time. He waited. As time passed by, he waited. And the waiting is the hardest part because it often takes a long time of waiting. But we've got to remain faithful in our waiting over the years. Don't give up too soon. Don't give up too soon. What if God has a three-year waiting 
planned for you and you give up after two and a half years. You missed the promise. You missed the answer. Abraham waited 25 years. How long are you waiting? How long are you willing to wait for God to answer your prayer? And what kind of godly character can God build in you if you wait on God for a long, long, long time? So from Abraham, we learn that waiting necessitates a passing of time. Then one of my favorite Old Testament characters is Joseph. And from Joseph, we learn that waiting requires choosing daily to remain faithful to God. And so we look at Abraham and say, well, why was he famous? Why was he respected? He just waited. Well, it was a big deal. But with Joseph, there is no guesswork. I mean, we know why Joseph is considered great. If you know his story, you know that his story is one of the greatest ones in the Bible. It's a true rags to riches story. How he went from being hated by his brothers and being sold into slavery and being throughout his lifetime accused of things he didn't do, being sent to prison for something he didn't do, and how in the end God raised him up to be the greatest man in Egypt, the greatest man next to only the, the leader of, of Egypt. But when you think of what he went through and how he was tested, we recognize that in order for him to suffer through what he went through and, and, and to continue to be faithful to God, he had to make a series of daily decisions to remain faithful to God. Because daily, he had a temptation to turn away from God. Daily, he had a temptation to curse God because of what he was going through. In fact, I love the way that the psalmist uh, says this in Psalm 105, verses 18 and 19. This is... Uh, this is a psalmist writing about Joseph. This is about Joseph. The previous verse tells us this. But verse 18 says that Joseph's feet were hurt with fetters, with chains. His neck was put into a collar of iron. Until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. How did the word of the Lord test Joseph? By giving him a daily choice between God's promises and the real world situation he was, or situations he was going through. Every day he had to choose. That was his test. Every trial. First, his brothers hated him. He had to choose to remain faithful to God through all that. Then his brothers threw him in a pit, threw him in a well. And he had to choose that day to continue to be faithful to God. Then his brothers sold him into slavery. He had to choose as a slave every day to be faithful to God. And then he, he was a, accused of sexual assault. He was totally innocent. He was thrown into prison after he had come out you know, and God had raised him up. And he was accused of that. He was thrown into prison. He had to choose to be faithful to God. Then he was forgotten by somebody that he helped to, to by, by interpreting a dream, helped him to get out of prison. And he told him, remember me when you get up there. And he forgot about him and he had to choose to be faithful to God. Waiting means we have to choose to remain faithful 
Every day. Every day you'll have an opportunity to say no to God or to say yes to God. And some days may be harder than others, but it has to be a daily decision. Some days we might feel that we can wait on God forever. Oh, I'm just here, God. I'm patiently waiting for you. And other days we feel like I can't go another day. I just can't go. I'm ready to throw in the towel, give up on God and just live for myself. But either way, whether you feel like you could go on forever or feel like giving up, we have to choose correctly. We have to choose to remain faithful to God and then get up the next morning and choose again. And the next morning and choose again. We can't take a day off. So from Abraham we learn that waiting necessitates a passing of time. From Joseph we learn that waiting requires choosing daily to remain faithful to God. And finally from Moses we learn that waiting calls for persevering through the dull and mundane seasons. Through the dull and mundane seasons of our lives. It, it turns out that waiting was uh, kind of like the secret sauce for Moses also. God used him to deliver his people from Egypt. But before all that happened, God made him wait. Forty years in the desert... God sent Moses out to the desert, to the dull and mundane desert for 40 years to go herd goats in obscurity in the desert for 40 years. God said to him, you know what? You're still too proud. You're still too self-reliant. The next time that you're, uh, the next time I let you come to Egypt, you're not going to be hot-headed and kill somebody again. The next time you come to Egypt, you're going to be the meekest man on earth. How did he go from being hot-headed and killing somebody to becoming, the Bible says, the meekest man on earth? How does somebody go from a murderer to the meekest man on earth? Forty years of waiting is what happened to Moses. James says, and we read this last week too, James went to consider it pure joy, my brothers and Sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance finish its work. If you're in a season of life where you're in a dull job, Everything just is so mundane, so earthly, so dull, nothing. There's no excitement. And you say, God, I just got to get out of here. You know what? Just be faithful to God and wait and persevere through those dull seasons. And let God do something in you. Persevere through those dull seasons and let perseverance finish its work in you. Maybe God says, okay, you're doing better, but... Perseverance has still not finished its work in you. You're still not mature and complete. You still need some more time in that season. And so like Moses, just just do it. Just be faithful. Just persevere when you want to give up. You may not be at that job forever. You may not be in this season forever. You just persevere through, through the dull and mundane and let that perseverance finish its work in you. Your life doesn't have to be an exciting adventure every single moment of the day. 
You know that I have a, a little part-time job tutoring students from Latin America, primarily uh, from Mexico, but also from some other countries. And I had a student a couple of years ago, and uh, she was in an English class. And she had a very good English teacher, excellent English teacher. She was, she was hard on them. She was very demanding, in that, but they learned a lot. And, but this girl had a habit of saying, this is so boring. She'd just sit there. And instead of doing her work, she'd say, Está bien aburrido. I would tell her, You want this to be a party every day? This is school. Come on. Roll up your sleeves and get to work. Oh, pero está muy aburrido. Sometimes we, we get through those, we get into those seasons that things are, you know, they're the dull and mundane seasons, uh, mundane seasons of herding goats in the desert. But those seasons will grow you in unimaginable ways if you learn to wait on God and to let perseverance finish its work. So what trial does God have you in right now? Is, is it your job? Is your job a drag? Is, is it your spouse? Maybe somebody has, maybe somebody that's listening has a, a husband that is, that is mean, that is cruel. I know it's shocking to think that some husbands are cruel and mean, but maybe that's the case. Maybe, maybe you're in bad health today. I mean, what if, what if, you know, you're ready to give up, but what if there's a, a, a better job just around the corner, which you don't see yet, but God does? What if your mean husband, your cruel husband is about to be witnessed to by somebody at work, is going to talk to them about God and God is going to change their life? God foresees that, but you don't. What if when you wake up sick every morning and you make a choice to praise God anyway, God says of you, has anyone noticed my servant? How faithful she is? I think I'll bless her. How faithful he is, even though he's... He's got this illness. I think I'll bless him because he continues to be faithful. Waiting is so important because waiting is that laboratory of godly character. I think we may, we may have it all backwards when we think that our best times are our happiest and successful times. I think it's just the opposite. I have nothing against happiness and success. I mean, God, you know, uh, uh, give, me, give me some of that too. But nobody ever learned a lot during the times of happiness and success, but we learn a lot during times of waiting. Well, so to the hurting people of Israel, as they waited in captivity in Babylon, God had something very important to say. And in Isaiah 43, just a few, a couple of chapters uh, or so later, three chapters later, here's what God says to those same hurting people that had been saying, God has forgotten us. God isn't even considering our cause. Here's what he says in Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And that mundane season of your life. In the desert like Abraham or like Moses or in the pit like Joseph. God says, I will make a way. I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Who's ever heard of rivers in the desert? And God says, I can do it. And I will do it because I'm doing a new thing. You may not see it as you wait. God says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? We may not perceive it as we wait 
But God has not forgotten you. God will make a way in the desert. You will soar like an eagle. You will run and walk without weariness. Just don't give up. The waiting is the hardest part. But the answer is on the way. So don't give up. Learn to wait on God. I'm going to invite you to bow for prayer. And as I pray today, um, I want to pray for you this morning. If uh, Perhaps you're going through a season of waiting and, and you could testify. You could testify to the waiting being the hardest part. So as we pray, I want to just ask, is there someone here this morning? You're just you're going through a season of waiting. And it's gone longer than what you would like for it to go. But I want to pray for you this morning. Let me just see your hands. Just hands up if you're saying, I'm going through a season of waiting. Anybody else? Yes, several hands. Several hands. Let's call on God right now. You call on God and I'll pray for you as well right now. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to your word. And we know that our period of waiting is... Though it may be the hardest part of our Christian life. It's not an insignificant part. But it's actually a productive part of our lives. You want to teach us to trust. To hope. To wait. You want to, you want to teach us. To expect. And during this time of waiting, expecting, trusting, hoping. You want to do a work in us. So, Father, I pray for those that, had, that have raised their hands this morning saying, I'm going through a, a difficult season of waiting. Maybe they're saying, sometimes I feel like, like giving up. Sometimes I feel like just forgetting that I'm a Christian, just living for myself once again, without any regard to God or His Word. God, I pray that through Your Spirit, that You would strengthen your children this morning who might be feeling that sense of wanting to give up. Help us to understand, help us all to understand the deep divine work you do in us when we wait on you. Father, I want to be able to soar like an eagle. I want to be able to run and walk without weariness. But I need to learn to wait. So I pray for each person who lifted their hands today. You alone know their situation. I may not know what they're going through. I may not know that season they're going through. But you know and you care. And help them to know that you care. Answer their prayer, God, as they continue to wait. Let perseverance finish its work in us and all of us today. As we wait and trust in you. For we ask it all in Jesus' name.